This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. If you have a business, big or small, and the computer systems are getting just too complicated to handle on your own. My next guest has the solution. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Uh, but first, let's kick things off with the consumer news headlines from the past week. So far, the reaction has been mixed, to uh, be polite about it, after the B.C. government finally announced their solution to what has become one of the worst traffic tie-ups in Canada. The Massey Tunnel is being replaced but not by a new bridge, as some had hoped, but by a new tunnel. It's expected to open in 2030 and will cost an estimated $4.15 billion, according to the B.C. government. The toll-free crossing will feature two lanes dedicated to bus transit and will also include separated pathways for cyclists and pedestrians. The province has repeatedly said that replacement is a top priority, However, the NDP's latest budget did not include any big spending plans for the crossing. The Massey Tunnel sees backups almost daily and has been referred to by many as the worst traffic bottleneck in Metro Vancouver and some say in Canada. While many had hoped a replacement would address congestion and traffic delays, the province says even with a new twice-as-wide tunnel, peak hour trips in vehicles will take the same time and amount of time that they do now. But Minister of Transportation Rob Fleming says the new tunnel will make travel by transit, walking and cycling more convenient and attractive without costing commuters hundreds of dollars a year in unfair tolls. Would-be vacationers trying to follow government advice and stay away from the fire-hit interior are in some cases being told they can't get a refund. Earlier this month, Joe Reno tried to cancel his Airbnb around Okanagan Lake when he realized it was an area under an evacuation alert. He was told he had to show up or forfeit the money, so he went up with his family only to be evacuated after one night. And um, although Reno says he was refunded for the unused nights, he was still hit with a seven-day cleaning bill. Airbnb says it's offering penalty-free refunds, but Reno says he wasn't provided that option. The province has urged people to avoid non-essential travel into wildfire areas. And it's been a tough summer for wine lovers. People planning wine tours in the interior are being asked to consider putting them off for now. Head of the BC Wine Growers of British Columbia, Miles Prodan, says... While they clearly want to welcome people to wineries around B.C., the concern for people who may need to evacuate and uh, keeping the roads clear for them is just greater. And so I guess if uh, you want to drink wine, you'll have to do it at home alone in the dark. Uh, after nearly, nearly two years... Uh, pro sports are back. The Whitecaps are playing at BC Place tonight, 7 a or 7 p.m. kickoff. Uh, they're playing LA at BC Place. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and coming up, 
If you have a business, large or small, my next guest has some great advice for what you need to do right now to make sure your computer systems are up for the challenges that are ahead. And when I say ahead, not just five years down the road, but literally in the months ahead. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Has there ever been a time when computers, computer networks, IT communication solutions have ever been so important? I don't think so, because the world is changing pretty rapidly. Many people working from home, as everybody knows, computer networks are really important. And my guest right now on Vancouver Consumer is here to help. Ian Sutherland is the co-founder of Adaptive Technical, an IT solutions company providing support for all kinds of clients. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Martin? I'm very well. I'm guessing you're totally busy, (laughs) I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a hectic year and a half or so for us. We've been uh, uh, run off our feet a little bit. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward uh, a little later on asking you about the history of your company because it's kind of an organic thing that's grown into something that's pretty interesting. But let's get right into it. Let's talk about how uh, COVID has changed everything. Uh, I, I won't even say it's speeded up the process. Or, or, I mean, it, it has speeded up the process. It hasn't really changed anything, but it's just moved us closer to this sort of new world, which was inevitable. So I guess my first question is a big one for you. What does every business need to be doing right now, like right now, to make sure that not only they're ahead of the curve, but they're with the curve? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think I know what you mean. It's uh, it's been interesting. I'll, I'll tell you. You know, you touched on COVID. It, it uh, you're you're absolutely right. It it rapidly accelerated a trend that we were already seeing in information technology, and that was um, a move to um, being able to work from anywhere, any beach, any any cafe, any home office, and um, basically, you know, the day that we went into lockdown every one of our clients phoned us and said, hey, we need to change the entirety of the way that we do business and we need to do it uh, yesterday. Can you help us out? So, so yeah, but that was already a trend that we were seeing in the industry, in, in every industry. Uh, and so um, what businesses really need to be doing over the next, you know, 12 to 24 months is, is trying to figure out how they can do that through both cloud systems and secure on-premise systems uh, at the same time as being just hyper aware of the cybersecurity environment that we live in today where there are attacks coming from all over the place and you, you really have to mitigate risk. Yeah, and I guess everything, do, do you see a time where everything's going to be in the cloud pretty much? Yeah, um, that's been a that's been a model that's been adopted in some parts of the states for for years, but uh, primarily for the most part, it's it's been uh, slower to adopt in Canada. Some of those larger companies like Amazon and Microsoft didn't have the infrastructure for it in Canada. Um, but but yes, we are moving more towards that where we're moving an entire infrastructure into a cloud environment. Um, it's it's also a, a situation where cloud is somewhat of a commodity, and so it uh, as time goes on, the prices come down for the for the cloud ongoing costs. 
rates that customers have to pay. And so that that's moving it that way as well. Yeah. So, so you don't see a time when we're going to run out of space in the cloud. <laughs> no, I really don't. You know, the one thing I, I, I tell people is that, you know, seldom have I had a customer come back to me and say, hey, listen, we really love your service, but we've decided we're going to go back to paper. Uh, that's just not a, not a thing that's happening. So, so no, I mean, the the amount of storage in the cloud that's available, the amount of computing that's in, in, available in the cloud is, is not going away, and it's, it's, uh, it's far from utilized at the moment. So, Right. We're, we're talking, good for a while. Good. We're good for a while. Ian Sutherland is the uh, co-founder of Adaptive Technical. It's an IT solutions company providing support to all kinds of clients. So tell us a little bit about Adaptive Technical. Uh, how big are your clients? How small are your clients, I guess? Or is it, is it all, all in between? Yeah, so it's it's generally speaking around, you know, we're we're dealing with organizations both for profit and nonprofit that start in around the 10, 10 users and go up to about 500 users. We have uh clients across the gambit from from uh healthcare to social service, financial, manufacturing. Uh if you have a need for for information technology but you don't want to have a uh, a sole in-house resource, for for instance, a sole IT guy in your organization that you're paying a salary to, then you're kind of an ideal client for us. We we uh, have a team that can help you out at uh, a reasonable cost. Right. It's beadaptive.ca. You have a great website address, Thanks. I think, <laughs> and you have a great you have a great website too. But beadaptive.ca. It's adaptive technical. And I, you just said something interesting there. I guess a lot of companies, the old model was you hired somebody, and they they were the IT person, and they would have an office, and they would uh, be there when you had a problem. But if things are running smoothly, um, that's a lot of downtime. So. If you have an organization where you only call them when you need them, I guess it's very cost-effective for clients. Yeah, you know, the model of having Steve over at the IT desk that can you can go tap on the shoulder and get your printer working is, is good for some things. It has some definite advantages, the, the primary one being that, you know, Steve is right next door and you can go tap him on the shoulder. But the, the downfall is that um, typically you're only getting the knowledge capital of Steve so, right. you know, it's really hard to keep up to date on everything to do with information technology if you're, if you're working run off your feet trying to fix systems all day. Uh, and, and not only that, but he never gets to go on vacation. Right. And, uh, you, you know, like, that's, that's, a real, that's a real thing. It's a real, leads to real burnout. So it's, it's, it's also tough. Like, IT is kind of a black box for, for businesses, right? Like, Generally speaking, Steve can tell the owner that there's a unicorn in the server and he can't really dispute it, right? And so, <laughs> so um, you know, you want to definitely have somebody that, that can look at a business from the point of view of the business goals as well as the, you know, the technical challenges and try and marry the two together so that the technical is, is moving the business goals forward. Steve's typically not good for that. Um, you know, we have a team of, of 15 people uh, some of them exceedingly technical, some of them more on the business side, and we can kind of marry those two things together. Yeah. I, when, I, when you say Steve, the IT guy, I always think of that Jimmy Fallon character from Saturday Night Live, and somebody would have a problem with the, their computer, and he would look at it, and he'd go, move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love that sketch. It, it spoke to me the first time I saw it, and, and Jimmy did a great job with it. Uh, <laughs> you know, the... <laughs> the um, 
the bar for for service in the IT industry has historically been pretty low. You know <laughs> that uh, that that person that was that was frustrated with users was was kind of the the default. Uh, one of the things that we've really tried over the years we've been in business to do is hire people that spoke both English and tech. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, that's, that's a little challenging at times to find people that are both socially and technically capable, but uh, that's what we, we really work for. So Yeah, it's happened to me many times where I'm trying to get something going, and I just want to say, I, I don't know, I just want it to work. And, uh, yeah. That- that's why you need Adaptive Technical. We're talking to Ian Sutherland, one of the co-founders. Uh, Adaptive Technical, an IT solutions company uh, for, you, you mentioned as, as small as like five users in an office, something like that. Um, when you talk about smaller offices and smaller operations, and um, what are the, the things that you find most often lacking in their systems? Is there, is there sort of certain things that you go into an office and you go, you know what you really need is this? Are there things like that? Yeah, well, you know, it kind of touches back to what we talked about before, which was uh, moving, moving systems into the cloud. The small office nowadays can get the enterprise scalability and the enterprise reliability of a, of a Coca-Cola or an HP or the city of Atlanta, right? Like if you're, if you're signing up with um, some of the big company cloud systems you're getting that sort of reliability and so a lot of a lot of home office small business they have historically had an owner that's tried to do it all themselves and um, you know maybe somewhat tech savvy and they put together these you know hodgepodge networks that that have worked for them up to a point but once the organic growth gets to a certain point they really can't cope anymore and they've got this mess and tangle so migrating some of those smaller businesses to the cloud has been uh, really great for them. Uh, turns their, you know, ongoing capital expense at Best Buy where they're going out to buy a system into an operating expense, which is tax write-off. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of benefits to it. And uh, so for them, that's probably the key is, is start to move to some of those enterprise cloud systems. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Like you say, you have somebody who, uh, this has often happened to me in, in offices where somebody has a little bit of tech talent and maybe it's not their job, but they kind of get in there and they, they sort of set up the system in their own weird way and, and then uh, they leave and then people are trying to adapt to that. So I guess you don't have that problem when you deal with adaptive technical. Well, I mean, we hope not. We've, we've certainly done our, our, our fair share of untangling those messes. I, I can certainly uh, um, empathize with the small business owner that wants to keep the costs down and, and do it themselves, probably partially because they, they kind of enjoy the tech part of it. But I, I think the question that you, you kind of have to ask yourself in that scenario is, could I be earning more money out there if I were actually building my business as opposed to, like, fixing Jane's printer, right? Yeah, that's that's a good point. And and with things changing the way they are, it seems to me that we can do so much more with computers for a lot less money. Are systems getting cheaper or are they getting more expensive for business? Systems are are getting less expensive. They're 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 definitely coming down. The the one challenge that we have with COVID is that the supply right now on systems is quite low, but but that's across the board in in every industry and so um, you know, the cloud systems are still there. Those systems, the cost is coming down. The, the cost of a powerful desktop or laptop is coming down. 
um, those sorts of things. It's, it's at the moment we're just struggling a little bit with supply. But, yeah, definitely businesses can get a lot more with their dollar than they, they would have five to ten years ago. And I, I guess uh, how often do you deal with Macs versus PCs in, in your work? We are primarily a PC-based organization. We do have some staff on hand that are good with Macs as well. But the majority of uh, non-design companies and, and organizations are still largely PC with typically home users have their Macs that way. You have to, in my business, you have to be able to deal with both. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't put us out there as a specialty Mac facility, but we're, we're primarily PC. Yeah, and I guess that's another reason why you would like to to deal with a company like Adaptive Technical, because I've worked uh, at radio stations where the engineers, the IT people, they not only did they not know how to work on a Mac, but they kind of had an attitude about it. <laughs> so if, there yeah. were, if you yeah. were dealing with a Mac, they got all kind of snarky about it. Yeah, I don't think that we can, in a service industry, I don't think we can afford to have an attitude about anything. So, you know, if you, whatever you want to use, we have to find a way to make it work for you in best. Now, you know, we're, we're a company that hopes to be your trusted advisor, and there are going to be some scenarios where we suggest that things are going to work better if you do it one way rather than the other. If you ultimately choose to do it your way, we'll, we'll acquiesce and try and, try and work with you, but, but uh, hopefully you're taking some recommendations as well. Yeah, and uh, that's why you want to call Ian Sutherland from Adaptive Technical. You can find them online at beadaptive.ca. You can also give them a call, 604-357-3456. They're an IT solutions company. And when we come back, uh, we're going to hear a little bit about the history of Adaptive Technical. It's kind of a cool story how they came to be. And uh, we'll also talk about cybersecurity because with everything in the cloud, it's a big concern for a lot of people. Is that stuff safe? Are your files, uh, which basically are everything to do with your business, floating up there in the cloud, are they safe? And we'll talk to Ian Sutherland a little bit more about how to keep those files safe. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we're talking IT Technology. Ian Sutherland is the co-founder of Adaptive Technical. It's an IT solutions company providing support to all kinds of clients, some big ones, some small ones. You can see them online at beadaptive.ca. If you go there, you can see a video about Ian talking about the history of Adaptive Technical. So why don't you tell us, how did, how did this company start? Yeah, we, uh, the co-founder of, of Adaptive Technical is a gentleman named Stefan Newberg. He's been my business partner now for 16 years. And, and we started off as uh, um, colleagues working in another, another firm where we were introduced fairly quickly on how not to do it. <laughs> so we, had, we, had, we had a boss that um, liked to oversell big projects, and he wasn't transparent, and uh, he was kind of a bull in a china shop. And um, Stefan and I kind of sat down one day and said, hey, we could, we could do this ourselves if we wanted, and we could do it this way. So we, we started in my basement, and uh, we've, we've grown ever since. I think we, we really have tried to make sure that we stuck by the, the fundamentals of being ultimately transparent with every project and, and sale that we do, 
uh, recommending the right solution rather than the best, like the, the most expensive solution, and, and speaking in, in plain language wherever possible so that our, our customers were able to make a, a good decision. So, um, yeah, that's, that's been the, the core foundation of our business, and uh, so far so good. It's a work in progress. Yeah, well, I, I I guess you're in the right business when you think about it. I mean, like you say, no no one's coming back to you and saying we're going back to paper. But uh, <laughs> it's changing all the time. And uh, I mean, for me, uh, it's incredible from a radio standpoint how everything has changed in the last year and a half. And I'm sure everybody who works in any business can't believe how much they're working at home, how much stuff they're doing at home. And uh, what's your sort of take on all this? Do you see a time when everyone will work at home? Uh, I, that is a fascinating, fascinating topic uh, for social psychologists all over the world to study. But I, I mean, from, a, from an, an IT standpoint... I certainly don't see it going back to the way it was where everyone is in the office five days a week. I think that we're going to have more of a hybrid system. I think that uh, the workforce is going to demand that they, they be able to do much of their work remotely. And I don't think employers are going to be able to argue it. So, um, yeah, I do think that businesses really have to think about how they're going to make their services available uh, to the home staff or, or the remote staff and how they're going to keep it secure at the same time. It's a real challenge, uh, especially in the environment that we're in now. But I, I do think that that is a, a fact of life at this point, yeah. Yeah, and it is a strange time because I can tap into computers all over the place. Uh, be, in, in my work, I can do Google Remote and I can go to other computers. Uh, how how much of what is going on with cybersecurity, how much has changed in the past year? Is it, uh, is it something that keeps you awake at night or do you feel like there are good, solid solutions for cybersecurity? Well... <laughs> That's a tough question. I, I, it does keep me awake at night to some degree, Martin. I, there is only so much you can do if a really determined and really skilled adversary attempts to hack you. But that, the, the good news is that that is not the majority of what goes on, right? The majority of what goes on is largely automated. You get some sort of email and you click on it and then you inadvertently give up your username and password and then you have been quote unquote hacked. Um, there are there are definite solutions for that sort of thing. So there's mitigation that you can do that that uh, you know brings down the risk for for those sorts of events. Everything from training to what's called multi-factor authentication to you know filtering and trying to catch those things before they reach your inbox. Uh, so there are there are solutions for some of that automated cybersecurity risk. Yeah, I guess that would be my answer. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to 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 tell you that it doesn't it doesn't weigh on my mind for my clients would be a lie. But but there are also some pretty good solutions. Yeah, and there's probably a, a lot of fear out there too. And uh, maybe that information, while it is you know sensitive or private, it's not necessarily profitable to somebody. So uh, I, I guess it's complicated. What do you see? I, you just kind of mentioned uh, about uh, when you click on something and they get your password. What are what are they what are they out for now? What what are what are the main concerns when it comes to cybersecurity? 
Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll introduce a couple terms. So everyone's probably familiar with the term fishing at this point. Right. One of the biggest things that we see is what we call spear fishing, which is where they're going for a, a specific individual. So they might choose to um, try and get access to a C-level executive's email, somebody that can direct money. And then in doing so, then they're able to impersonate and fraudulently request money be sent to different bank accounts. So that's one of the big things that we're seeing is, is fraud on that basis. Um, I can tell you as well that uh, a friend of mine works in the insurance industry, and he was telling me that cybersecurity policies have gone up about 400% in the last 12 months because of the, the loss ratio that they've had. And it's been largely that. So the fraud is, is one of the biggest ones at the moment. I get, maybe I can give you an example. It's a better, better way of explaining here, here. So we had a client that someone in their accounts receivable department or accounts payable department had their email address um, compromised. The attacker spent about six months in their email box before the, with nobody knowing. And um, because it, it's an impossible thing to, to know these things uh, unless you're really, really vigilant, this client hadn't chosen to be. Um, and then essentially sent an email to all of their suppliers saying, you know, please redirect all your payments to this bank account. We've changed our banking information. And wow. so when, when, when invoicing, the, the client sent out invoices for about $140,000 and the payments were made to a different bank account. Wow. So that's the sort of thing that's going on right now. There's, there's some, some real strategies for avoiding that. There's some policies. There's some technology. There's, there's ways to get around you know, being susceptible to that sort of thing. But most businesses aren't thinking about it, right? It's not yeah. keeping them up at night. Right. And that's why you let... Ian worry about it. Ian Sutherland is with Adaptive Technical. It's an IT solutions company providing support uh, to all types of clients. You can find them online, beadaptive.ca, or you can give them a call, 604-357-3456. Beadaptive.ca is the website. And, uh, and I, I think it's really important, I would imagine, to have someone who knows uh, cybersecurity on your side. And, and just generally, do you have any advice about passwords for people? Anything you just throw out there? Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, typically speaking, a username and password is almost not enough nowadays. You want to have that third layer of, of security, and, and we call that multi-factor authentication. Most people are probably pretty familiar with this, with, you know, you, you go to log into some service, whether it's Google or Twitter or whatever it is, and it sends you a text message with a code just to confirm that it's you. That sort of thing applied to all of your business services that you use on a regular basis can stop attackers in their tracks, right? Because they don't have your mobile device. They don't, they don't get access. Even if they do compromise your username and password, that is one of the core things that we really are focused on for our clients is making sure they understand that, that, you know, that third level of security will, will stop most, most attacks in their tracks. Right. And what about, uh, things sort of, sort of filtering in, in the workplace, like social media, does social media ever get, uh, sort of uh, does, does problems with social media ever become a problem for the company that the person is working for? Not typically. That's, I, business owners have to make the decision on how much they want to have their 
staff on social media at work. That's something that we can help them with if, if it's a problem. You know, there are filters that you can put in place for it. Attacks generally aren't coming through social media, though, no. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. So, <laughs> just, yeah, you but, can keep browsing Instagram, Martin. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not on social media right now. Just, just so you know. As we speak. As we speak, Ian Sutherland is with Adaptive Technical. And so, what are some of the businesses who may not think they need your services? Uh, what would you, you know, what do you say to to, to some smaller businesses? Uh, what's what's your advice? Well. I think that most businesses don't think about the cost of neglecting their IT until there's a downtime, right? Right. So, you know, we talk about two things. We talk about when you're, if, you're, if your business were to lose all of its information technology infrastructure, if your server were to light on fire, how long can your business afford to be without that data before it shuts its door? The, the typical answer is, you know, about two weeks and then you're done, right? So the cost of neglecting uh, IT can be high. And um, I think some small business owners don't really take that into account. I'd love to help them out with it, but, you know, they, they ultimately make the checkbook decisions. Right. And so is it a combination of uh, sort of on the phone and online and then um, going into the actual office? What's, what's kind of the ratio for you generally? Yeah. So one of the things that we've done a little bit differently is we built a really human-centric system. So when you phone us, uh, it's an actual technician that answers right off the bat. There's no automated phone system. We also send technicians to our larger clients uh, at period, inter- um, excuse me, um, uh, periodically, regardless of whether there are ongoing needs, we just want to make sure that we're we're in place and we give that. You know, we talked earlier about having a, a relationship with a Steve down the hall. Well, we want people to feel the same sort of way with their adaptive technician. So we're we're regularly sending on-site technicians, which is costly, but it also means that we we maintain our clientele for the long term. Uh, as far as online, I mean, people email in tickets all the time, but, but uh, you know, we, we typically phone them back. Right. Yeah, because quite often I'll, I'll be dealing with the IT person who's just down the hall, but generally they're on their computer and I'm on my computer, and then I've given them a ticket, and now I've given them access to my computer, and then they go in and fix it, even though they're in the same yeah. building. Yeah, and that's definitely something that we do. We work remotely all day long on on people's systems, but at the same time, the majority of us really want to have that person-person contact. We want to at least be speaking to somebody on the phone uh, and feel like they they have empathy for our problem. They really understand what's happening, and so that's one of the focuses of Adaptive is to really keep that uh, that human touch. Adaptive Technical is the name, and if you want to just take control of your IT and make sure that it's running smoothly and there's no problems with it, uh, you should phone or go to their website, Adaptive Tech technical beadaptive.ca is the website 604-357-3456 ian sutherland is the um co-founder of adaptive technical and uh i appreciate you i guess you know taking the weekend uh, <laughs> and i guess people can call you anytime right on the weekend or whenever yeah that's right we we do have people on call 24 7 yeah well awesome well thank you for talking to us ian very interesting stuff
It's been my pleasure, Martin. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Adaptive Technical, an IT solutions company providing support to all kinds of clients. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And when we come back, it's a Fatberg in West Van, apparently. I'll tell you all about that. That's when we come back. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and a big thanks to Ian Sutherland of Adaptive Technical. They are an IT solutions company providing support to all kinds of clients. If you need some IT support, and uh, it's a great cost-effective way to do it because you don't have to have a full-time IT person on staff, but you can have Adaptive Technical on your side 24 hours a day. Just go to beadaptive.ca. Their phone number is 604 604- Three five seven three four five six, and uh, people living in West Van say they've been seeing what seems to be globs of stinky fat washing up on Ambleside Beach. The blubber blobs were mostly at the high tide level near Ambleside Pier. Uh, The district sent staff to investigate and collect the stuff with shovels, resulting in almost 40 liters of something that seemed like lard being picked up and hauled away, enough to fill 10 one-gallon ice cream tubs. The Canadian Coast Guard, as well as the Ministry of Environment and Vancouver Coastal Health staff, came the next day to inspect the scene Some of the congealed grease was collected and sent to a lab for testing. The results won't be known until later in the week, but the health authority opted not to close the beach for swimming, saying it presented no health risk. Uh, If it was dumped from a vessel in the harbor, it will be difficult to track down. But in the past, Metro Vancouver has warned of fatbergs in the sewer systems, thanks to residents of businesses dumping melted fat down the drains. And we all kind of do it at home. A lot of people do anyway. They tend to trap other solids, which can build up and threaten to clog the system. So all those, like those wet wipes, they kind of act as a as sort of a link, and then all the fat kind of sticks to that. And these things can get pretty big. In 2019, in Sidmouth, in England, a massive glob of hardened grease, oil, and wet wipes uh, that was more than six double-decker buses long was found in the sewers. It was 64 meters long, a congealed mass of fat and wet wipes. It took crews several weeks to break it up and remove it. A couple of years earlier in 2017, a 250 meter fatberg was found in sewers beneath Whitechapel in East London. A chunk of that later went on display at the Museum of London, nestled inside transparent boxes. So there you go, a fatberg. So maybe it's a fatberg. If we learned anything, uh, from these fatbergs, it's don't pour fats, oil, or grease down the drain or flush wet wipes down the loo. Uh, don't feed the fatberg. So, so we, we learned something today. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. The news is next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.